discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Even if the U.S. doesn't have the fastest growing economy in the world, as falsely claimed by Joe Biden during a recent appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live, it does have the fastest supercomputer in the world. Which is cool, I guess, but not as cool as Canada, who has the world's fastest private jet. And of course, nowhere near as cool as the UK, who has the fastest COVID test ever made. To hear about this and so much more, simply stay tuned. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. Hey there, folks. Real quick before we begin. I don't know who needs to hear this. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. You need to hear this. Because if you're hearing this, that means you might not know. I have recently started making special enhanced versions of select episodes of The Daily Ruckus. And this episode might be one of them. Head on over to alternatecurrentradio.com to find out how and where you can listen. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're sitting down for this one. CNN has issued a fact check against President Joe Biden. Political fact checker Daniel Dale reports, In a Wednesday appearance on the ABC late night show Jimmy Kimmel Live, President Joe Biden made a dramatic claim about the U.S. economy and repeated himself for emphasis. Biden said, quote, Look, here's where we are. We have the fastest growing economy in the world. The world the world, end quote. Facts first. Biden's claim is false. The U.S. economy grew by 5.7% in 2021, but figures published by the International Monetary Fund show that more than 50 other countries had faster growth that year. In addition, the U.S. economy shrank in the first quarter of 2022, while various other countries experienced growth. And while economic experts expect the U.S. economy to resume growth over the rest of this year, a significant number of other countries are expected to grow faster. Asked for comment on Friday, a White House official did not attempt to specifically defend Biden's claim. Instead, the official pointed out that the 5.7% growth in the United States' real gross domestic product in 2021 was the fastest for the country since 1984. The official also pointed out that the International Monetary Fund has projected that as of 
of the fourth quarter of this year, the size of the U.S. economy will be bigger relative to its late 2019 pre-pandemic level than any of the other six countries in the international forum known as the Group of Seven, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the United Kingdom. Those comments are accurate, but Biden said on Kimmel's show three times that the U.S. economy is growing faster than that of any other country in quote-unquote the world, not just growing faster than six particular countries, and that's inaccurate. Quote, clearly the U.S. has been the G7 economy that has done best in terms of GDP growth rates since the inception of COVID, but it's not literally the fastest growing economy in the world over this period, said Gian Maria Malesi Ferretti, a former international monetary fund official who is now a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution Think Tank's Hutchins Center on Fiscal and Monetary Policy. Biden took office in late January 2021. Among the dozens of countries that saw faster real GDP growth than the U.S. in 2021 were Ireland, 13.5%, Chile, 11.7%, Turkey, 11%, Colombia, 10.6%, India, 8.7%, Greece, 8.3%, Israel, 8.2%, China, 8.1%, the United Kingdom, 7.4%, France, 7%, and Italy, 6.6%, according to figures published by the IMF and the country's governments. Many countries' growth rates were higher than usual in 2021 because their economies were rebounding from the 2020 economic crisis caused by the pandemic. An economic outlook released this week by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development projected the U.S. would grow by 2.5% in 2022. That was lower than the OECD's 2022 projections for 11 other members of the Group of 20 International Forum, Saudi Arabia, India, Indonesia, China, Australia, Spain, Canada, Turkey, the United Kingdom, Argentina, and South Korea. We'll add one caveat. There are various ways to measure growth. Among other things, you can pick different start and end points and different gauges of economic activity, and there are various complications involved in the data. Laura Veldkamp, a finance professor at Columbia University's Business School, said there is quote-unquote no way that Biden's claim is true if he was using fastest growing in the usual way, referring to a percentage change. She said, however, that she would personally describe the president's claim as quote-unquote misleading rather than false, since quote, the word growth in conversation can mean many things, end quote. We'll respectfully stick with our harsher conclusion. If Biden was citing some unusual or obscure measure of growth, he could have explained that. He didn't, and the White House didn't either when asked for comment. CNN.com. Ooh, bummer. Bad news right there for America. I guess we lost that pissing contest. But no worries. I've got a consolation prize coming up for the good old US of A in just a little bit. But first, by now you might be wondering, if the US doesn't have the fastest growing economy in the world, then who does? Well, I'm afraid I'll have to pass on making any official calls there. I'd hate to get fact-checked like Brandon, I mean Biden did, but I'd say it's a pretty safe bet that whichever country winds up doing phenomenally well economically in the near future will be an oil exporter, and more specifically, one pretty close to the Persian Gulf. And even more specifically, maybe even this one. Qatar's economy is expected to witness growth this year and is forecast to be the fastest growing in the GCC in 2023 and 2024, as reported by the Peninsula Qatar. According to the latest 
latest report of the World Bank, the real gross domestic product is projected to grow by 4.9% in 2022, followed by 4.5% and 4.4% respectively in 2023 and 2024. The stable and resilient economy of Qatar has been growing at a fast rate. The country's high per capita income, vast hydrocarbon reserves, and strong economic fundamentals support its strong credit profile. The World Bank's latest Global Economic Prospects report for June has increased Qatar's projected GDP growth for 2022 to 4.9% against a backdrop of decelerating GDP growth globally at 2.9%. The report additionally reaffirmed its forecast that Qatar's economy will be the fastest growing in the GCC in 2023 and 2024. The output in the Middle East and North Africa, MENA, region is expected to expand by 5.3% in 2022, 0.9 percentage point above previous projections, in part reflecting higher oil prices. This would be the region's fastest growth in a decade. The economic recovery in MENA slowed briefly at the turn of the year as Omicron outbreaks sapped growth momentum. New confirmed cases of COVID-19 have since abated with broad-based declines across all economies. The pandemic-induced slowdown was followed by the Russian Federation's invasion of Ukraine, leading to higher commodity prices, tighter financing conditions, and a further deceleration in global growth. The impact on the region is, however, notably divergent. The report said economic activity in the MENA region has remained robust despite a short-lived hit from Omicron outbreaks and the net losses to oil importers due to the war in Ukraine. Oil exporters are benefiting from rising oil revenues and recovering non-oil sectors. Growth in the region is expected to firm to 5.3% in 2022, assisted by rising oil revenues, structural reforms in some countries, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and a general waning of the pandemic's adverse impacts. These growth projections represent an upward revision of 0.9 percentage point from the January forecast, mainly accounted for by improved prospects among the GCC economies. Regional growth is expected to reach its fastest rate in a decade in 2022, but the rebound could have been even stronger had it not been for the detrimental impact of Russia's invasion of Ukraine on oil importers. The war has undermined external demand, increased uncertainty, and lifted food and energy prices. The World Bank noted that growth is expected to rebound to a decade high in 2022, with a marked improvement in prospects for oil exporting economies outweighing a deterioration in the outlook for oil importers. Oil exporters are gradually catching up to their pre-pandemic output trends, while the gap for oil importers is expected to remain wide. The Peninsula Qatar.com. Now folks, I'm no economist, but it sure sounds to me like it's a great time to be the ones selling the oil and not the ones buying it. And speaking of which, I really do hate to double dip the chip into the CNN Kool-Aid punch bowl, but I've got some more bad news for the United States economy to report, and I figured if it's gonna be bad news, it may as well come from a bad news source. But all kidding aside, unfortunately, not only is the U.S. not in the running to be the country with the fastest growing economy in the world, to add injury to insult, it does face the reality of being one of the countries with the fastest growing
rising inflation rates in the world. CNN Business reports, the pain of higher prices continues for U.S. consumers. Record gas prices drove inflation to 8.6% for the 12 months ending in May, higher than the pace in April, according to the latest Consumer Price Index, the government's basic inflation measure. The reading for core CPI, which strips out volatile food and energy prices, posted a 6% increase over the same period, higher than the previous month's level. Both readings are among the biggest jumps in prices experienced by consumers since 1981. Overall, the increases were higher than forecast by economists, who had been expecting prices to jump by 8.3% over the 12 months ending in May, and which would have matched April's reading. This report dashed hopes that inflation had peaked earlier this year. Quote, Inflation is going higher and broader with a worsening outlook, said Sung Wan Sun, professor of finance and economics at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. The probability of a recession in the next year or so is rising. Inflation is eating away at consumers' purchasing power, since consumer spending accounts for about 70% of the economy. A real decrease in consumer spending would deal a big blow to the economy." End quote. The typical U.S. household is spending about $460 more every month than they did last year to purchase the same basket of goods and services, said Mark Zandi, chief economist with Moody's Analytics. Energy prices rose 34.6% compared to a year ago, driven by a nearly 50% jump in gas prices over the last year. AAA's tracking of gas prices shows the price of a gallon of regular gas nationwide is now at $4.99 after setting records in 31 of the last 32 days. The June CPI report due next month is certain to show another big jump in gas prices. But energy price hikes were not limited to the record gasoline prices. Electricity prices rose 12% over the last 12 months, the biggest annual increase since 2006. And the price of natural gas being used by consumers rose 30.2%, the biggest jump since 2008. The higher energy prices alone added two percentage points to the overall CPI. It's not just energy that is driving prices higher. The Labor Department said almost all the major components that make up the index showed increased prices. Prices for food purchased to eat at home rose 11.9%, the largest 12-month increase since 1979, with eggs up 32.2%, milk up 15.9%, and poultry up 16.6%. The Shelter Index which measures rents and other housing costs, posted a 5.5% increase, its biggest 12-month gain since 1991. While that might not be as big an increase as the double-digit price hikes in other categories, the money that consumers spend on their home, whether renting or buying, is typically the largest expenditure they make each month. Used car prices, which had shown signs of moderating with monthly declines over the last three months, rose once again, lifting prices prices 16.1% over the last 12 months. Meanwhile, new car prices are up 12.6% over the same period. A shortage of computer chips has curbed production at automakers, and that limited inventory is responsible for the rise in prices. Strong demand for air travel at the start of the summer travel season is also lifting airfares, which posted a one-month jump of 12.6% in May, the third straight monthly rise of more than 10% in the 
last 12 months, airfares are up 37.8%, and fares in May are 21.7% higher than in May of 2019, before the pandemic caused a near halt in demand for air travel. While the inflation report brought new attacks on the Biden administration from Republicans, the White House sought to blame the worst of the inflation on the rise in the price of oil and gasoline after Russia invaded Ukraine. Quote, Today's inflation report confirms what Americans already know. Putin's price hike is hitting Americans hard, President Joe Biden said at the Port of Los Angeles, where he was pausing from a regional summit to address what his team views as the most pressing current issue, high prices on everything from gas to groceries. Biden sought both to acknowledge the pain Americans are feeling, explain how he was looking to solve it, and pin blame on others. Quote, I understand, Biden said, inflation is a real challenge to American families, end quote. He lambasted shipping conglomerates for raising prices and oil companies for their stock buybacks, singling out oil giant Exxon for making, quote-unquote, more money than God last year. CNN.com. Aw, sounds like Biden's just jealous. I bet he'd love to make, quote-unquote, more money than God. That way he could afford to fly on the world's fastest private jet. Stephanie Waldeck, writing for Travel and Leisure, asks, Feeling the need for speed? Bombardier's new global 8,000 aircraft is set to become the world's fastest private jet. According to Bombardier spokesperson Matthew Nichols, quote, with a top speed of Mach 0.94, customers can reach their destinations faster than ever before, saving precious time. It marks the fastest maximum operating speed of any business jet, end quote. And that's not all. It'll also fly farther than any other business jet. Nichols added, quote, the Global 8000 boasts an industry-leading range of 8,000 nautical miles, enabling customers to fly farther than ever before, end quote. For context, that's just shy of the distance between Chicago and Sydney. During its testing phase, the GE Passport engines that will power the Global 8000 actually flew a test plane to the incredible speed of Mach 1.015, about 779 miles per hour, which is faster than the speed of sound. Most commercial aircraft only fly around 575 miles per hour. And even more impressively, the Global 8000 became the first airplane to go supersonic using sustainable aviation fuel, or SAF, during testing. Though its maximum operating speed will be just shy of supersonic speeds, it'll still be the world's fastest aircraft in civil aviation. Only the Concorde, which retired in 2003, flew faster. Somehow, speed and range aren't the only industry-leading statistics for the Global 8000. Quote, the Global 8000 also benefits from enhanced cabin comfort, Nichols said, with new reduced cabin altitude, the lowest in the industry, offering customers the ultimate cabin comfort experience at less than 2,900 feet while cruising at 41,000 feet, end quote. Lower altitude cabin pressure creates a more comfortable ride for passengers, providing them with more oxygen. And that's not to mention the Global 8000's other air quality controls. The jet is outfitted with Bombardier's pure air technology and HEPA filters to clean and refresh cabin air faster than ever before. Of course, comfort isn't limited to the air on board. The Global 8000 has four spacious zones, including a bedroom with an ensuite bathroom outfitted with a full shower. Other amenities include circadian rhythm lighting to reduce jet lag, bomb 
Bombardier's L'Opera directional audio sound system and 4K monitors. The Bombardier Global 8000 is scheduled to take to the skies in 2025. Travelandleisure.com Come on, you must admit that sounds pretty cool, right? Unless again, of course, you are an American because it's just one more race that we're losing. So sure, we don't have the fastest growing economy in the world, and we don't have the fastest private jet, but guess what we do have? In case you didn't hear the good news, the U.S. has succeeded in developing the world's first quote-unquote true exascale supercomputer, honoring a pledge made by President Obama almost seven years ago, and ushering the world into a new era of computational capability. Until now, the most speedy supercomputers in the world were still working in the petascale, achieving a quadrillion calculations per second. The exascale brings this to a whole new level, reaching a quintillion operations per second. The Frontier supercomputer, built at the Department of Energy's Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee, has now become the world's first known supercomputer to demonstrate a processor speed of 1.1 exaflops. That's 1.1 quintillion floating point operations per second, or flops. The result was confirmed in a benchmarking test called High Performance LINPAC, HPL. As impressive as that sounds, the ultimate limits of Frontier are even more staggering, with the supercomputer theoretically capable of a peak performance of 2 quintillion calculations per second, the Oak Ridge Lab says. All theory aside, though, it's the standardized HPL benchmark that matters foremost to Top 500, a twice-yearly ranking of the world's most powerful supercomputers. Frontier's debut score means it's now ranked as the world's fastest system in this elite field of machines. Top 500's announcement of the new rankings explains, quote, with an exact HPL score of 1.102 exaflops, Frontier is not only the most powerful supercomputer to ever exist, it's also the first true exascale machine, end quote. Technically, the exascale barrier was first broken in 2020 by the distributed computing project Folding at Home that works on various medical problems. But Frontier is the first true exascale machine because the calculations were not spread across numerous home computers like Folding at Home is. Computer scientists have been building towards the exascale milestone for years now, with the threshold representing a new level of computational power for calculating solutions to very complex problems involving vast amounts of data, such as modeling climate systems, devising new kinds of materials and medicines, and peering into the deepest riddles of physics. Progress in the field has been almost as speedy as the supercomputers themselves. For the last two years, the number one machine has been the Japanese supercomputer Fugaku, which in 2020 scored 415.5 petaflops. At the time, that was almost three times better than the machine it ousted from the number one spot, the IBM-built Summit supercomputer, which also resides at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. In 2022's new rankings, Summit has been relegated to fourth position on the top 500 list, with a new score of 148.8 petaflops, far behind the performance of Frontier. Fugaku in second spot at 442 petaflops, and newcomer Lumi from Finland, which scored 151.9 petaflops. Among all these massively powerful supercomputers, only Frontier has achieved true exascale performance, at least where it counts, according to Top 500. Quote, considering the fact that Fugaku's theoretical peak is above the 
one exaflop barrier, there's cause to also call this system an exascale machine as well, Top 500's announcement reads. However, Frontier is the only system able to demonstrate this on the HPL benchmark test, end quote. There is, some have pointed out, an elephant in the room, the absence of new Chinese supercomputers from the Top 500 list, which were not officially submitted for consideration in the contest. This means we don't know for sure how they might compare to this year's ranked systems, although Chinese supercomputers have certainly fared well in previous year's rankings, and some commentators believe China may have several imminent exascale systems in the pipeline, none of which takes away from Frontier's giant accomplishment. For now, this incredible machine ranks as the most advanced computer on the planet, a $600 million powerhouse poised to tell us many wondrous and important things. Quote, Frontier is ushering in a new era of exascale computing to solve the world's biggest scientific challenges, says ORNL director Thomas Zachariah. This milestone offers just a preview of Frontier's unmatched capability as a tool for scientific discovery. End quote. ScienceAlert.com Huzzah! Finally! Congratulations, America! You scored big on that one. And now, speeding right along here, while a bunch of nerdy techs are busy chasing after the fastest supercomputer, amusement park executives are chasing FST, the fastest, scariest, and tallest rides. And sometimes the thrill can kill. As reported by Michael Kaplan for NY Post, on March 25th, Tyree Sampson, 14, fell to his death after slipping out of his seat on the Freefall, an attraction at Icon Park in Orlando, Florida, that drops riders from a 430-foot tower at speeds of 75 miles per hour. The safety harness, according to employees, quote, was still in a down and locked position when the ride stopped, end quote. Though amusement park fatalities are rare, the incident is far from isolated. In 2016, according to the most recent statistics from U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, there were 34,700 emergency room visits per year due to injuries occurring on amusement park rides. Some experts say it's, at least in part, a result of theme park operators seeking new superlatives of FST, and it's an ever-moving target. Quote, you have rides competing against each other in an amusement park arms race, which really is a G-force race. A former Capitol Hill staffer who had focused on issues related to dangerous thrill rides told the Post, quote, fastest, tallest, scariest are effective marketing gambits. But the question is this, at what cost in terms of safety? My concern is that the G-force race can lead to higher safety concerns, end quote. Superlatives are the name of the game in amusement park competition. Everyone wants to brag on a billboard or TV ad about having the tallest, fastest attraction. Right now, that's King Da Ka at Six Flags in Jackson Township, New Jersey, reaching 456 feet high and 128 miles per hour. But competitors are always racing to catch up. Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia, California, announced plans for the world's tallest single-track roller coaster. Wonder Woman Flight of Courage, set to open this summer, will run on a 3,300-foot track and treat riders to an 87-degree plunge. Saudi Arabia's Six Flags Kadia hopes to steal the speed crown in 2023 when Falcon's Flight takes its maiden ride, achieving a record-setting 155 miles per hour and a drop of 525 feet. Pantheon in Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, opened March 25th to thrill customers via 
a 95 degree descent, albeit at a relatively calmer 73 miles per hour. According to Theme Park Safety Failures author Jeffrey P. Stone King, quote, the arms race has been going on since the 1970s. It keeps moving in the direction of bigger and faster, but there are consequences. Top Thrill Dragster at Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio, for example, has a cable that launches the ride to 120 miles per hour in three seconds. Once, the cable faded during the launch and people were hit with metal shards, end quote. That happened in 2004. More recently, an L-shaped bracket attached to the back car came loose and smashed into the head of theme park patron Rachel Hawes. It had her quote-unquote fighting for her life, the Post reported at the time of the 2021 incident. Recalling the cable mishap, Stone King stated, quote, an attorney said it's not the first time a piece fell off the ride. It's the first time a piece hit somebody, end quote. Of course, that is better than a human appendage dropping off of a ride. Quote, at Six Flags Kentucky Kingdom, on the Superman Tower of Power, which stands 325 feet tall and descends at 55 miles per hour, a 14-year-old girl lost her foot, said Stone King. It got caught in the cable going up and was cut off when the ride came down. She was screaming, but nobody paid attention. The operators wanted the highest ride they could get, end quote. And then there's the speed angle. Last year, Don R. Jankovic reportedly fell victim to the thrill ride arms race when she went unconscious after taking a spin on the Voyage, a wooden roller coaster that reaches speeds of 67 miles per hour at Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana. She died at a local hospital, suffering internal bleeding. According to the Dubois County Coroner, an artery tore due to the coaster's force and led to rapid blood loss. Zipporah Jacob, a retiree in Los Angeles, was luckier. She remains alive after a discombobulating 1995 session on Indiana Jones Adventure at Disneyland. Quote, the ride ended and I felt like my head was going to explode, she told the Post. I started walking and had projectile vomiting. I got taken to urgent care, was misdiagnosed, and released. The next morning, I did not wake up and got taken to the hospital. I had three brain surgeries. There's a shunt in my head. I'm treated with medication and I still have anxiety. The ride shakes you. It was like I had shaken baby syndrome, end quote. Operators also crave the gravity-crushing intensity of G-forces. Riders on Tower of Terror at Gold Reef City theme park in Johannesburg, South Africa endure the most thrill ride Gs in the business. 6.3 in America, Shockwave at Six Flags over Texas reaches 5.9 Gs for brief periods of time. G-forces are measurements of acceleration based on the push of gravity. During a Formula One race, drivers endure as many as 6 Gs while speeding through a churn. While 6 Gs endured over a long period of time, an average of 43 seconds, on a head-to-toe axis could cause one to pass out. Thrill rides, on which the Gs last fewer than 3 seconds, are designed to prevent that from happening. Still, the potential for problems is acute enough that an article in Journal of Emergency and Trauma Care advises that doctors dealing with inexplicable brain injuries ask patients about theme park visits, noting that symptoms can take two months to appear. In light of such advisories and the fact that brain injuries on rides are rare, though they do happen, the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, a self-regulating organization for the amusement park industry, states online, quote, blackouts and other health issues associated with G's require exposure to G-forces which are either greater in magnitude or of much longer duration than those achieved by today's amusement rides, end quote. While two medical and engineering studies commissioned 
by Six Flags in 2003 did not find medical evidence associated between thrill rides and brain injuries. Other experts are skeptical. Quote, at the bottom, you get squished by all of this g-force. There's a very small range between the thrill and the kill. Orly Avitsur, a Terrytown neurologist who is president of the American Academy of Neurology, told U.S. News and World Report, quote, one of the scariest things that can happen is that the arteries in the neck can dissect, leading possibly to a stroke. There aren't that many case reports of these, but there are enough to make you pause and think about that risk factor, end quote. And yet, amusement park rides are not federally regulated. The United States Consumer Product Safety Commission investigates accidents, but does not inspect or regulate the rides. According to the IAAPA, the rides are regulated and inspected by state agencies. Sometimes, Stone King told the Post, the state agencies do it as a sideline. Quote, the Ohio Department of Agriculture looks for structural integrity, he said. Their line is that they do not know anything about roller coaster technology, but you have roller coasters that stand 400 feet high, end quote. The federally run Consumer Products Safety Commission regulates traveling rides, like the ones for carnivals held in church parking lots, but permanent attractions in parks follow standards laid down by IAAPA. Quote, there is an inherent conflict of interest when industries self-regulate, said Mark Bayer, president of Bayer Strategic Consulting. It's like the fox guarding the henhouse. Industry players can change the rules if they see fit, and the public may have to pay the price, end quote. Beyond that, there's also the potential for human error. CBS has reported that Samson, whose father has said he weighed 340 pounds and was 6 foot 5, may have been too large to ride securely. The network pointed to an operations and maintenance manual for the ride, which states that the maximum passenger weight should not exceed 286 pounds. Quote, this is going to be an issue of a lack of supervision and a lack of training, Bob Hilliard, the attorney representing Samson's mother, told CBS, a straight-up negligence case, end quote. Despite the raft of civil charges, criminal charges often go unfiled against ride operators and park owners. In a case last year, after a six-year-old girl fell to her death from a ride at Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park in Colorado, criminal charges were not filed due to prosecutors not finding suitable evidence against the park and its employees. The highest profile, most spine-tingling rides, according to Stone King, tend to be designed and built by just a handful of engineering firms, often dreamed up by theme park executives. They, quote, are contracted out with several manufacturers that come up with the designs based on what the park wants. Then the park makes a choice, end quote. But in some cases, non-pros take it upon themselves to design the seemingly simple rides at smaller parks. Such was the case with a gigantic 17-story water slide at Schlitterbahn Water Park in Kansas City, which was certified by Guinness World Records as the world's tallest water slide. In 2016, Caleb Schwab, 10, was decapitated when his raft rose skyward, and he smashed into a metal hoop that helped to hold up a safety net. That ride was designed by the park's co-owner, Jeffrey Wayne Henry, and his design partner, John Timothy Schooley, neither of whom, according to an indictment, possessed the skills to build such a thing. In 2018, they were both indicted on charges of second-degree murder. One year later, a judge dismissed the criminal charges due to, quote, improper evidence and testimony displayed to the grand jury, end quote. Nevertheless, a former theme park executive who worked elsewhere opined that safety took a back seat on the water slide. Quote, it was all about making it a tall slide, the former exec told the Post. The kid became airborne, and the attraction 
reception was not built for somebody to go so high, end quote. A receptionist said the water park is currently closed, but declined to say why. As to whether or not risky rides will get belted in following events such as the recent tragedy in Orlando, Stone King thinks not. He points out that theme parks possess buffers. Quote, they have insurance policies. Remember that. If there is an incident, they have insurance to cover it. That is the bottom line, end quote. NYPost.com. Wow, that's crazy and scary. You know, folks, personally, I've never really been a big fan of amusement park rides to begin with. And speaking of things I've never really been a big fan of to begin with, I present to you the following. Headline. This could be our fastest, most sensitive COVID test yet. And it's all thanks to nanoparticles. As reported by the Daily Beast on April 13th, 2022, while PCR tests are still the gold standard for diagnosing COVID, at-home rapid antigen tests have become quite popular in the last two years thanks to their ease of use and ability to deliver results in less than 30 minutes. But, as everyone knows, they suffer from diminished accuracy. They can't always detect early infections when there are low levels of the virus, and they may not be as sensitive to new COVID variants. False negatives can also come up more often than with PCRs. A group of researchers in the UK are fixing to change that by harnessing the power of nanoparticles. In a new study published April 13 in the journal Sensors, researchers at Newcastle University created a COVID-19 test that uses a synthetic antibody called molecularly imprinted polymer nanoparticles, or nano-MIPs, which could detect even the tiniest amounts of viral antigens as fast as most off-the-shelf rapid antigen tests currently available. It could be a huge boon to helping people identify early COVID-19 infections and reduce the impact of nascent outbreaks that will continue to pop up over time. Sometimes called synthetic antibodies, nano-MIPs emerged around 40 years ago as a way to create molecules that mimic an antibody's ability to sense and bind tightly to another target molecule. The Newcastle group constructed nano-MIPs that could recognize a portion of the coronavirus spike protein, what the virus uses to slip into cells, and attached them to an electrode. When the nano-MIPs detected the viral spike protein, the electrode heats up to indicate a positive result. When the researchers doused the electrodes with nasal swab samples from seven patients, all of whom tested positive for COVID on PCR testing, the test was positive in 15 minutes. It was even able to detect a viral presence that was 6,000 times less than what a commercial rapid antigen test was designed to detect. This test won't be hitting the market just yet. The Newcastle team plans to conduct further studies with more patients to further validate the test. Once that's done, it may be deployed for commercial use and sewage testing to catch an outbreak preemptively. And because the nano-MIPs are pretty resistant to heat, they could be a good, long-lasting option in warmer climates where heat exposure can destroy an at-home COVID test. Be prepared to still stick a swab up your nose, though. There is no getting around that. At least not yet. TheDailyBeast.com Ah, shucks. If only there was some way to get around having to stick a swab up your nose. Of course, I've never had a swab stuck up my nose. You want to know my secret? I refuse to let anyone stick one up my nose. And you should too. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Wednesday, June 15, 2022. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.